Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron and as always I am the host of the show. So this is actually the second part of a two-part episode. So if anyone has accidentally stumbled across this episode first, please do go back and listen to part one, which was literally out a couple of minutes ago. Now this episode is incredible and I want to keep those who have literally followed it from part one straight to this part keeping it in flow. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to jump straight back into it. So Louise ended the last episode by talking about how she was in the presence of something she described as almost supernatural. So what what happened at the point of his death is I went from not believing in God to believing in God in the space of a week. And that has changed my life as much as George's death has changed my life, which has in turn changed my daily practices, if that makes sense. So my day... Mm is now rooted in sort of practices around faith because of that Mm. um because i've never been more certain that god exists so yeah could you you elaborate on that i mean i've got no problem missing out some of my pointless questions because this is (laughs) this is more prevalent uh if if you wouldn't mind so what what would you like me to elaborate on the which part of the story just to put context into why i'm interested in this little bit in particular i am uh an atheist and okay. the reason I say I'm an atheist now is because I grew up as a Sikh and I was very, I say, somewhat religious. And when I had, yeah. I had in a space of eighteen months, I lost seven people, uh, six yeah. six family members and one, and one friend. And I yeah. had a very similar outburst um, in private, which I've never actually told no one. Where I had a kind of, it was like it was like when you shake a bottle. Sorry, uh, apologies. It's like when you shake a bottle of Coke and then all of a this sudden. You know, I have to t- I have to tell you, you know, whenever you talk about God, you always get interrupted. That's so funny that your phone rang. So good. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we can touch on that afterwards. That's so weird as well, because that's never happened in a podcast previously. Yeah, whenever you talk about God, you always get interrupted. Wow. For me, my logic is just simple. It's stick to science. And it's if there was a God, then kids wouldn't suffer. Kids wouldn't just be killed. There wouldn't be all this horrible stuff happening. And, I, yeah. and I've kind of justified it that way. But I just want to yeah. bring this straight back to you. Yeah, so... Like I said, you know, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I didn't think God was real. I thought that, um, you know, so I've obviously grown up in the UK where I've been to school, where I've learned Bible stories. So I knew some of the Bible stories. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't think Jesus was the son of God. I thought Jesus was a good guy from, you know, 2000 years ago. He'd done some great things. And maybe over time, his his um, his achievements have maybe kind of been um, exaggerated Mm. is how I it's genuinely how I looked at you know the gospel in the new testament and you know religion wasn't something that featured in my life at all so the very fact that I felt I felt like I had nowhere else to turn was and the fact that I turned to God I mean I can't still explain what it was logically that made me do that because at that point in time I wasn't my brain wasn't working in a logical way. It was all based on heart, not on head, if that makes sense, mm, in terms mm. of the actions that I was that I was undertaking. Um, but what what then led me to believe that God was real was 
um, incredibly powerful. So essentially, and I'm really mindful now that I'm not going to do this service, uh, this story, um, it's justice, which is why I'm writing the story down. Because essentially what happened was I was introduced to somebody who I didn't know through a really, really good family friend who asked if they could pray for George, which you kind of go, okay, that's not that weird. That's, that's, that's not that odd. Um, but what happened was, and, what's, and what I've realised since I unpicked it, is that that introduction came after I'd made this cry. So after I'd made this cry, this family friend got in touch with me and said, look, I've met this girl and she seems to be like a really devout Christian and she, and she's, she thinks that maybe there's some level of, of healing prayers that we can do for George. Now, what I didn't know at that point in time was that um, healing is, you know, central to all of the stories of what, of what Jesus did in the New Testament. So obviously Jesus did a huge amount of miraculous things, which I always struggled to get my head around. So it's like, this, how, how can this person be doing all these things? OK, but there's lots of stories in the New Testament where Jesus heals people who are paraplegic who are blind who have bled for 12 years all these different things so healing is, is central to, to to jesus and, and and the way in which jesus can work and um I, again i knew none of this and this girl had offered to pray for us and, and offered prayers of healing and at this point in time i'm literally like i'll take anything i'll take anyone course, who wants to give yeah. us anything we were so desperate and again, to cut a really, really long story short, we ended up in a situation when George was quite literally on his deathbed and it was it was hideous, Aaron. Like he was, mm. he, he declined incredibly quickly. So again, I don't want to sort of put fear into people's heart because this is a story of beauty, but mm. you have to understand the, the pain that he was in to be able to understand the beauty and the miraculous of what happened because he was in an, in an inordinate amount of pain. So he basically, after that day when I went out and told me he wasn't going to die anytime soon, a few days later was admitted to hospital um, and just went downhill day after day after day. And it was it was disgusting to have to watch him. I mean, he he was in, he couldn't eat, he couldn't drink because his liver was so enlarged, it was basically pushing against his esophagus and his um, stomach and pushing kind of bile out of his, out of his mouth 24 hours a day, which... I'm really mindful that this is kind of like quite gory and quite brutal, but it was awful. I mean, this this was a man that was that was broken in front of me. You know, the guy that had eight weeks before cycled to Paris, and I and I was kind of like, where is my husband? Like, who of is course, he? Yeah. Like, he looked he looked like death. Like, his cheeks were concave. He was so weak. He was crying the whole time. He his mum slept with him in the hospital because he was absolutely terrified to be left alone. It was it was every part. Again, you know, if you think of sort of movies and stories, it was all of what you've seen on TV and, and in a film around what you think it's going to be and worse. I literally just felt numb sitting and watching him. And I wanted to, this is going to sound really awful mm. as well. I wanted to put him down. So I, I remember I, I'd never been a, a believer in euthanasia. And actually, I'm not now because of my spiritual beliefs. I'm not a believer in euthanasia. But at that point in time, mm. he was so ill I remember just being in the hospital thinking, this is horrendous. There must be something that someone can do. How is this mm. okay yeah. that a human can sit here in mm. this much mental and physical pain? Like, this is not all right. Of course. So, yeah. I, and, that, and that also led me to keep looking into other things. And I was looking at, like, I actually looked at, could I even, like, get him in my car and drive into Switzerland where there's a euthanasia clinic? I, I even looked mm -hmm. at that at one point. It was so desperate. So in amongst all of this absolute desperation, this kind of, um, narrative with God continued mm. 
And this girl who I didn't know, who was who'd met a friend, um, basically offered to come and pray with us in Nottingham. So she came all the way from London on the train for the day, asked for nothing. Mm. And I met her in the in the canteen of the hospital and I remember I was so nervous meeting her because I thought, oh my God, is she going to be like one of these really weird religious fanatics? Mm. Like, is she going to kind of try and brainwash us? Is she, is she a bit odd? Is she going to ask me for money? These are all of the thoughts that I had in my head. Um, and I remember I sat with her and I said to her, I really, really want to believe in the healing um, sort of stories and, and um, powers that you're speaking of. But I just... I've got to be honest with you, like, I don't really believe in God. I, don't, I just don't think that God's real. Like, I just don't think it can be. And she she had her Bible out and she she held my hand and she just said to me, look, you know, I've got enough faith for us both. Like, don't, you don't need to worry about that. Like, just relax. Like, I can carry you. Like, I, I can believe for you and I can believe for George is what she said to me, which literally felt like someone had lifted this weight because I felt like, like I was lying a little bit as well kind of being like I'm trying to pretend that I believe in this thing that I don't yeah, yeah. In, case it might, in case it might work you know so that day we prayed in George's room which again I probably don't have the time to, to tell you all of the detail of what happened but this girl who came and prayed she's now a really really good friend is something called a um, prophetic Christian and that means that basically they can hear God in a way that not maybe the everyday person can and they can hear really really clear things from God sometimes absolutely crystal clear messages like what your bank account number might be just to sort of prove wow. a point you know and it is and at the time I remember thinking this is odd this is like psychic mediumship I'm not really sure how I feel about this so we did these really, really beautiful prayers with her. And then during the prayers, basically, she she said, look, I've got a word for you. And at this point in time, I was like, I don't even know what a word is. Like, you know, what's a word? So I've got a letter for you from God. And I remember wanting to laugh out loud. And it was this black comedy moment because my husband sat on a bed dying. And I'm there with this girl I've never met before who's praying and telling me that I've got a word, which is basically a letter that she's written to me from God. And I was sat there thinking, you know, this girl's off her rocker, you know, this is absolutely mental. But honestly, Aaron, what was written in these letters, so she'd written a letter for me and she'd written a letter for George. And what was written in these letters was just so us. It was someone that knew our hearts. It wasn't, it wasn't someone that had looked me up on Facebook or Instagram mm. and gone, oh, you're Louise and you've lived in Windsor and you've lived in France and you, you've worked here and you've got two kids. It was things about me, small details that I thought were inconsequential that God knew. It was my heart. He spoke to my heart that day. So I was amazed the word that was written for George was equally as amazing. And then there was sort of several things that happened after that moment. So we walked out of that room. And after that moment, when she came and prayed in the room, the, the, the sort of atmosphere in the room tangibly changed. And it wasn't, it was the, it was the sort of spiritual atmosphere, if that makes sense. It kind of went from feeling dark and heavy to full of life and, and, and openness. And I, I was just, on my knees literally exhausted and I remember saying to Kerry like I just love what you've done I don't know how you've done it but you have brought some peace and it was it was tangible the pre the peace that she'd brought on that day because it was the first time that I'd seen George 
sort of soothed if that makes sense in all yeah. of the medication and everything that you've been given so I just kind of said to her look we I maybe need to do a bit more of this and she she said to me look you can pray you can learn how to pray and I'm there going I can't pray I don't even think I believe in God I don't know how yeah. you pray like yeah. what do I do with my hands how do I stand what do I say like I, I don't know how to do this like, you're gonna have to find me someone else that knows what they're doing um and basically what then happened was the next day I went into the hospital after that night when I went home after I put my kids to bed and done all the other live things that I still had to carry on doing I tried to pray for the first time and I'd really struggled and I, I couldn't do it I was like this just feels like I'm a complete fraud I tried to kneel down in my bathroom I remember like kneeling down in my bedroom and putting my hands together and then thinking what do I say I can't do this this is all really odd um and then the next morning I got up, went to the hospital, walked into the hospital. And that morning when I went in, George was laid on his bed and the sun was beaming into the room, like onto his face. And he's laid with his arms open and he looked at me and he smiled and he said to me, Louise, what have they given me? I feel amazing. I just feel amazing. And I just started to cry. But I knew in that moment that he hadn't been given anything. And I went and spoke to the nurse and the nurse looked at all of his you know, details and said, he's not had anything he had some morphine at 1am it was now like 11 in the morning and she was like it was enough morphine to maybe last him a couple of hours he's, he's definitely not had anything so I went back to his room and I, and I didn't say to him you haven't had anything because I kind of thought I don't want him to know that he hasn't had anything if he thinks that whatever it is that he's had is making him feel better I just didn't want to sort of distract him from the absolute peace that he'd miraculously found yeah. and he wow. literally laid on the bed that day and just said to me, it's all gone. The pain is gone. The fear is gone. We'd had these heartbreaking conversations the day before, before this, this girl had arrived to come and pray with us about what we did with the kids. Like, did we bring the kids in to come and see him, to say goodbye? And it was probably, this sounds really awful. It was less for the kids, but it was more for him because we knew that our children were so little that they wouldn't remember it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he and he was really emotional about that because he just didn't think he had the strength to say goodbye and he didn't think he could do it. And he said to me, I just, I don't, he said, everybody is here now with me, you know. And honestly, he wasn't the kind of person that spoke in this way, Or, and he was not a spiritual mm. guy. Like, he laid on this bed, so at peace, and said to me, everything now is in my heart. The boys are here. Um, my love for you is here. My love for all of my family is here. And it's like a, a, a bright burning ball of energy that's never going to go. And I was just, I was absolutely overwhelmed because I remember thinking, who is this person that's laid here? Because this, it is my husband, but it's not my husband. And yeah. I really, like, I, what he was saying to me was completely the truth. Like, I knew that he believed it. You could see it physically in his body. And that that then propelled me to go, okay, there's something in what we've done here. This prayer, whatever this prayer thing is, it's worked. Um, there's something in it, like we've got to do more of it. Maybe this can help him. And that triggered me then to start writing letters to God. Um, so I'd already been writing letters to George because I mentioned earlier, I was seeing mm -hmm. a psychologist and she'd said to me, look, like, how do you communicate? I said, look, I like to write. She said, right, if you can write, write, write about your trauma, journal about it. And I'd been writing letters to George every day in hospital, all the things that were on my heart that I wanted to tell him that he didn't have the energy to hear because he was so sick. But I needed to kind of let bubble out of my system. So that 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 night I went home and I wrote my first prayer to God. And then what, what ensued was every time I prayed and wrote a letter, 
the girl in London who I didn't really know that well at the exact moment that I would finish praying would write a response right you wow so she'd write back and it would be like it would be a response to the prayers that I wrote. And she didn't know that I was writing them. It was just the most unbelievably beautiful story. So we had this, you know, we had George laying on his deathbed in this state of um, peace, in this state of perfect bliss. And he was quoting scripture. Okay, so George never read like the Bible or anything. And he was talking to me about perfect love, which is a line from John in the gospel. Um, and so we had that going on. So we had the sort of miraculous bodily visible you know George George has gone from being in pain to being at peace I had this girl that I didn't know who was somehow supernaturally connected and in sync with me responding to my prayers every time I it was like that old Tom Hanks movie you've got mail every time I wrote I used to write I write I write on my iPhone and I wrote all of my stuff in my notes on my iPhone and every time I literally pressed done on the top of my top right of my iPhone screen I'd get a text and it would be just like, you know, scripture responses, words that God had put. She was used to frame it as this is what God's put on my heart. So that happened. And then there was just this unbelievable um, presence in the room that everybody was drawn to. So everybody at the hospital was drawn to George's room, which I now know was the sort of, you know, what we'd call in Christianity, the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit was there and it just was pulsating through the room. And what I find interesting now is that I know that we all actually recognise that, if that makes sense, but we don't realise that we recognise it because it is in us. We just don't know it. Um, And everyone who was there, you know, some people were religious, some people weren't, but everybody knew there was something going on, if that makes sense. Like the overwhelming universal recognition was that there's something bigger at play here. At the hospital, you know, they said to me after George died, like, we wish everyone could die in this way. Like we wish we could document it and process it. So everyone could have this death. Nurses were coming in on their days off to sit with him and, and just be with him because That's the, incredible. the presence was so calming. Um, it, it led to a great friendship that I've made with a, with a pastor of a church in Nottingham that we now go to every week. Cause he, he was basically the person that then came and prayed with us every day. Cause I'd sort of said to this girl in London, you're going to have to find me someone to pray with because I knew no one I didn't have any Christian friends I wasn't a person who was religious um so yeah it was just the way I frame it to people is I lost the love of my life but I've gained the greatest love all of us can ever know and it was just so incredibly beautiful and I'm still trying to unpick this story two years later and question you know how why you know what does this mean all of those are the things but ultimately all I know is that God is real Mm. and God is good and Mm. you know Jesus is real too you know all of the stories that happen in the Bible now I have now I've got this understanding of the supernatural that I saw Mm. in that hospital room I can read those stories with a lens of acceptance that I never had before and I understand them and get that they did happen um but I think we just I think in the society that we live in now we want everything to be like Amazon Prime timelines you know and actually what I've also realized is that the timings of the supernatural and the Holy Spirit are just not linked to earthly timings. So, you know, I can never answer questions like, you know, why why did you lose seven people in a row? Mm, why did I lose mm. my husband? And then three months later, his mother died. She dropped dead. 
and simultaneously to my husband dying my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer you know so we it wasn't like life was beautiful on of any course, level yeah, yeah, it yeah. really wasn't but what I did what I do think and what I do maintain is that you know cancer is not god-given and if you look for God, he's always there, even in the bad situations, but the bad situations are not always given by God, you know, like it's man's got free will. Uh, right. And some of what course. we do and, and, and the way in which you behave in, in, in the world that we now live in is driven by our free will. It's not driven by God because he made us that way. So, yeah. <sighs> wow. <laughs> got goosebumps listening to that. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's just a remarkable story. Is this going to be in your novel? Yeah, this is going to be in my novel. And what would be amazing, so I'm actually doing some edits at the moment. So okay. I'm hoping to get the book out this year. That's my Fantastic. plan. That would be amazing. So it would be, it would be really cool to like speak again, like once the book's available. So I can say to people, yeah, because there's so, there's such depth to this story on so many levels. And I also am hugely mindful that, you know, like I, I, like I say, I can't believe what's happened to me because I kind of look at it and go, why like why was all of this the way it went for us but it it was and it is and I just now feel really strongly about the fact that I have to do something with this tale and with this story you know to raise awareness of cancer to raise awareness of um what it is to live with cancer that it isn't the end of your life to raise awareness of the fact that death is is going to be something that happens to all of us and could be the most unbelievably beautiful experience you ever, ever imagine. And that also, you know, death isn't the end and that God, God is real and God is here for you and and loves you. Um, But I also recognise that just because I say that doesn't mean that I can impart that belief into other people's lives. Of course, yeah. I mean, your your truth is your truth and everyone's got their own kind of truth. I'm always, I'm always open to anything really. I mean, you've said some certain things there that may obviously make me think because from a spiritual perspective, I have seen and I have tales, many of them, of stuff yeah, similar to that. So I know, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely in tune with my spiritual stuff and even like in terms of psychics and mediums and I'm going off on a tangent here, but I... I, I do believe in that supernatural power. I suppose it's yeah. more just the whole, the, the fairy tale story of this person, just one person there kind of, I don't know, maybe I've just got the wrong image of, of God when, when I said but that. But you know what though, Aaron? I think that that's the case. Like I think going yeah. back to the point that you made earlier about we have this vision of our life should all be fairy tale, mm, fantastic mm. and we meet the dream partner and we get the dream house and we get the dream kids and we do things by certain ages. And I think we're all, for whatever reason, brought up to believe that God is a person on a cloud somewhere. And, and I mean, I'm no theological expert. You know, I'm two mm. years into my journey of faith and I'm still understanding the Bible and getting my head around it and what that means to me and and, and how I live my life. Mm. But equally, I kind of go, it's not the way that I ever thought it was, if that makes yeah. sense. And that's yeah, the bit yeah, that yeah, I absolutely. feel really passionate about because I kind of have now reflected on my life because of everything that's happened and gone, well, you know what? God was actually there the whole time. I just yeah. didn't know him. I didn't know didn't how notice. he felt. I didn't know how he worked. I didn't know how he communicated. I mean, I, I if I'm honest, as a feminist, I have a huge beef with the fact that he's always referred to as a man. I mean, I'm not <laughs> yeah. I'm not disputing that Jesus Jesus was a man, okay? Yeah. But but God, you know, God is what he is. And that, that's of what course. it even says in the Bible. Like, he, he is not man. He is not woman. He, he is what he is. 
and but he is called a he because of the time in which the bible was written which was when you know men ruled the world not in the way that not that hopefully not in the way that they do it today but <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just it's yeah it's unbelievable i just love that it's unbelievable I, I there, was a, there was a certain bit you said there you lost the greatest love of your life only to then find the greatest love that we could all ever know and i just yeah I just think that, that was so powerful <sighs> food for thought for me absolutely because there are i think i think we can all how you mentioned in that room and I was kind of imagining like almost like watching a film, you know, when you see him in films and then the sun's beaming and we've all probably had that feeling of euphoria or that Mm. this this just isn't normal life. Like something else is here. Yeah. Um, And I I get that. And if anything, it's weird because although I sometimes say, okay, I don't believe in God anymore. I believe in every other thing, like all these miraculous kind of things. Mm. So it's kind of, maybe again, it's just my language that I use. And maybe if I just change the language um, because... I, I find that so fascinating and I could talk to you for hours just on that and some of the stuff I've seen people do like how you mentioned he was speaking scripture and stuff I've mm. seen people speak a different language that they've never heard of yeah and yeah. fluently and I'm what, just yeah. like what is yeah. going on here kind of thing yeah so yeah that happens yeah it, it is amazing wow I'm just I'm just yeah. so happy that in such a, um, an unfortunate circumstance that you've managed to find some level of happiness yeah, yeah life life can be found in death like it really really yeah. can and I I feel like I've been given a second chance at life through my husband's death which is so desperately sad and you know my greatest wish is that I could have this perspective with him by my side but of for course. whatever reason it wasn't of meant course. to be that way and I'll only ever know that reason when I am living in heaven with him you know so and until then I have to live the best life I can and the happiest life I can for me and my children because that's all he wanted for us and that's what God wants for us too so I just kind of go you know what it's my choice you know I can choose to, for this to be miserable and this can break me or I can choose for it to make me and I know absolutely what I choose. let it make yeah. you and, and let it also inspire you to share your story with as many people as possible yeah. as well with yeah. the perspective you have so uh, yeah, yeah that's fantastic wow okay fantastic well this is actually <laughs> going to be um my first ever two-part podcast because it was almost too good for me to kind of cut it off so i'm gonna actually make it a two-part show okay Um, i think we can fit everything in two parts as well and um yeah it's fantastic so you're actually the first ever two-part show (laughs) (laughs) and it's been worth it honestly yeah oh so good so good i could just resonate with so many things and i'm sure the listeners will as well yeah so adversity i think we've definitely hit that you yeah, nail on the head there a million times over, and I'm, just, I'm yeah. just like I said earlier, I'm just so happy that you're in a much better place now. What now then? Now that you've found God and you've you've almost found this new perspective, I suppose. What scares you now? My biggest fear is not being able to live a faith-filled life. So I, I fear that I won't that something may happen that imbalances this faith because actually I feel like with my faith I can and nothing scares me. Does that make sense? My biggest fear would be to not, for whatever reason, to not believe in God anymore. Absolutely. Because of what you believe God has given you. Yeah, and like what mm. God has for us and for all of us. So I kind of feel like with God by my side, I don't fear anything. I feel invincible. Yeah. And that's not to say that it wouldn't be difficult and incredibly painful and all of those other things, but I know that God would be with me. But if for whatever reason I lost God or I lost my connection with God, that that's my greatest fear now, to not, not have that. Okay. I understand that. Okay, and in terms of, so your motivation, I suppose we kind of touched on it earlier, in terms of persevering and going forward, is that now to kind of share your message further and try and enlighten other people? Yeah, so my, I suppose my purpose now is to 
is to share my story. So I always say to people, I don't wish the circumstances that I have found myself in upon anyone. It's been hell to live through. But what I do wish is the perspective it's given me. And I, I realise that I've always been on like this fast track version of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because I've had something so bad happen to me, it's maybe meant that it's exploded in a way that's been so good. Does that make mm. sense? And that's yeah, yeah, absolutely. I try yeah. And, yeah maybe um, think about the situation logically and what I'm hugely mindful of and I know, I know I've said this already is I, I don't expect that other people are maybe going to come to faith with the same power and passion that I have but for me if people listening to my st- story and hearing me talk about what I've lived through can make them maybe think about how they behave with people that they know with cancer differently or lean in and help them better or think about what they can do to build their resilience muscle or ultimately think about is there more like what what is this life like why am I here I I mean ultimately you know if I'm talking in corporate language Mm. you know like my my ultimate optimum success would be that people find God you know through through hearing my story and then it kind of sparking a journey of interest in themselves and kind of wanting to to sort of know more and understand more but I think there's loads of other stuff that it could spark for them as well so for me it's kind of wanting to share the sadness of what's happened to me to make people realize that you know there's so much life to be lived and you've got so much more in your tank than you ever know that you've got until you have to be in a situation where you're forced to use it so yeah that's fascinating that's um while you were saying that episode five ashley nixon i think you're really really resonant i'm not i'm not trying to give you more episodes to listen to yeah he was a boxer guy yeah and he found god yeah i've listened to it loved it i've shared it with all of my friends it's incredible because that one again like i said i mean i'm here saying i don't necessarily believe in god but that episode was so powerful that Mm. i remember um, i mean i didn't put it in the actual episode where i was was actually like screaming kind of like I get it. I get what you're kind of saying. You know, like how you see um, yeah. people in the church and they're all like, yeah, 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 getting yeah. excited. And I had Praise that God. moment. With, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I had that moment yeah, with him. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm kind of wow. getting that now with yourself. And I'm just thinking, so encouraging. I think yeah. that'd be a great connection as well because I know he's doing fantastic things. I think he might be up north now. Um, he's working as oh, a pastor yeah. as well. So okay, he's, um, we should hook up. Yeah, you should absolutely. connect. That would be good. I'd like that. 100%. I'd yeah. love to do that. He's not really on social media much, but he's just such a beautiful soul. Um, yeah, and his sounds amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, brilliant. What we're going to do now, we're actually going to just completely flip the script and we're going to go into a segment of the show that I just put in here just for a little bit of fun. And this is... Okay, I love the fun. Excellent. (laughs) And um, (laughs) people obviously know you now in terms of your story and everything, but I know there's also, you know, just little little facts and stuff that they could probably benefit from just knowing. So, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to go in three, two, one. Okay, what did you eat for breakfast? Uh, shreddies and granola. The ability to fly or be invisible? Oh, be invisible. Money or fame? Fame, so I could impact people's thoughts. Your proudest moment? Um, I, can I have two? Both, both of my boys. Both of my, I've got two boys. Both of my boys. <laughs> your your favourite food? Oh, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Okay, your number one goal this year? To publish my book. Tea or coffee? Tea. Your favourite sport? Oh man! Uh, oh gosh, I don't have a favourite sport to watch. I'd probably say tennis. Okay. To participate in, 
Oh, I don't really do sport. I do. I like like circuits at the gym. Can we call that a sport? <laughs> I suppose so. Why not? There's no rules here. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, if you could sit with one person in the world for an hour, who would it be? Jesus. Your worst fear as a child? Oh, probably something to do with snakes. I really don't like snakes. They scare me. Your favourite place in the world? Lake Takapo in New Zealand, South Island of New Zealand. Sounds amazing. Speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? Speak all the languages. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Poverty. Would you rather know how you would die or when you would die? Hmm. How or when? Uh, I'd probably say when because mm-hmm. I think the power of being able to say goodbye is unbelievable. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, actually, because I remember someone asked me this question before George died and mm-hmm. I always just said oh, I wouldn't want to know I just want to be shot and actually mm-hmm. what I would say to people now is it's just so unbelievably powerful to, to have the opportunity to say goodbye and mm-hmm. even though it's sad it's so so healing to be able to do it so I think to know when you're going to die so you can prepare for it emotionally financially is a huge blessing yeah absolutely I think we're going to leave it there and I, I think that's that's a great yeah. point that you said because I think with death it's more the uncertainty and the and the shock of it that really just throws people into a whole whirlwind. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. We're almost at the end of the show now. Sadly, um, just got two more things I want to ask you, and I think this will be an interesting answer from yourself because it's about reflection. And I know you touched okay. on it easier how you wish you had your perspective when George was yeah. around. So. Yeah. My my view is always the same. Hindsight, you know, it's a wonderful thing. We can obviously learn ways where we can get to places quicker, easier, with less heartache. But mm. like yourself, which I'm sure you'll agree, it teaches us so many lessons mm. and, and it yeah. makes us the people that we are. So knowing exactly what you know now, if you could go back and take yourself back to a younger Louise, you can choose whatever age you wish. What mm. would you What would you whisper in your younger self's ears? I'd I'd whisper in my ear, "You're loved." Um, God is real he's for you he has a plan for you he's with you and he wants you to surrender to him in a way that only is right for you I love that and I think obviously because of your experience with God now if if you were able to have that then yeah it'd be incredible yeah absolutely sadly we're actually at the last question now Um, and uh, again this is a question I ask all of my guests I'm always interested to kind of know how people want to be remembered and okay. um, I'm always eager to, to get as many people to share their stories as possible because at the end of the day, I truly believe nobody really wants to be forgotten. And I think we've all Ooh. got a story out there. So um, yeah. if we say in 150 years time, science fails to save us and all that is left is a book. And this book is mm. by yourself and it's on a table and you've got to, I suppose, kind of make people want to pick it up. So what, firstly, would the title say? And secondly, the blurb at the back of it, what would it tell us about yourself? Well, this is easy, Aaron, because I'm writing okay. a book and I want to write more than one book. So the, the series the series of my book would be called um, The Wonderfulness of Life, mm. um, which is actually a name that's taken from that. a letter. It's a name that's taken from a letter that George wrote um, before he died, okay. reflecting on the wonderfulness of life. Um, the first book would be called He Heard My Cry, and that's the story that I've sort of told in part today so if we take that first book which is the book I'm hoping to to obviously kind of publish this year um that story is a true story about love um exploding into my life um at a moment when I was least expecting it um and 
you would maybe say that I was like Bridget Jones meeting God mm. um, against the most <laughs> yeah. tragic of back- backdrops. Um, and it's the tale of how I was gifted a front row seat to a real life miracle. Um, the tale of how I lost the love of my life, but gained the greatest love we can all ever know. And it's a tale that I hope and wish will impact the thinking of a generation. Wow. I love that. Yeah. A front so row seat to a real life miracle. Yeah. It's a brilliant tagline. Just in relation to your book, and I'll keep jumping back to this, are yeah. you going to be releasing an audible version? I haven't even got that far. That's a good okay. idea. I, I'd like to. Yeah, I'd like to. I'm just being selfish here because if I read pages from a book, I'm asleep within three seconds. So yeah. I listen to a lot of my stuff via podcasts and I would take books. that as a sign, Aaron, yeah, that I need please. to do an audio book. And, <laughs> and if you do that, I promise you I'll be the first person to buy it. So uh, amazing. Please Perfect. do that. I think it'd be incredible. And just before you leave then, I'd like to put in the show notes obviously for people to be able to contact you and then yeah. hopefully by them contacting you can obviously keep them up to date with the release of the novel. But then I'd love to get you back as well close to that release or after you've released it as well. Because I just yeah. think um I just you know this is an incredible inspiring remarkable story I think you're fascinating the way you've you've just found this bliss and I can hear it from your voice all the way through because I was expecting and I'm quite an emotional person to get choked up during this interview Mm. and if anything you're making me just I've just been smiling just hearing it although Mm. there's a sad element to the story it's just almost I just feel I just feel happy that we were able to share this moment. So, so thank good. you for that. So if you could—that's just... what my husband used to always say. Really? He used to say, "Be sad, but choose yeah. happy." Yeah, he always used to say always that. Always choose happy. I love that. Yeah, I love that message. Yeah. So if you could just give us where the listeners can find yourself. Yeah. So the best the best place to find me is probably on Instagram. Um, so I'm on Instagram as wonderfulness underscore of underscore life. So it's wonderfulness of life with two underscores. Um, I have got a website, but it's being built at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm also on Facebook as Louise Blythe, but I post on Facebook as wonderfulness of life. And that's kind of my reflections on life, I suppose, and the wonderfulness that we find in in everyday, in everyday joy, you know. So it's me talking about how I, you know, I suppose it's it's an invitation to come and see life through my eyes. I will certainly be adding you this afternoon as well when I get back from my next meeting. Perfect. I'll add that all in the show notes. And once your website is set up, um, please do let me know because what I can do is go back into the show notes and edit it because okay. th- these episodes, they get listened to at all sorts of weird and wonderful yeah, times. Yeah, well, obviously... I know the address. And so my website is live. It's just not, okay. it is www. Well, I'm just going to check it, wonderfulnessoflife.com. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I'm just going to check my computer. I think that's it. It's there. There's a holding page there and there's a picture of me and it's linked to my Instagram, but it's not got all the content on it at the moment. But if you put that on, it is. it will take, it will take you somewhere to me and you can send me a message that I'll get on that as well. So Fantastic. Okay, so this has actually been our first ever uh, two-part episode of <laughs> Find Your Voice. Thank you, uh, Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, honestly. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure it's going to resonate with so many people out there. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for the listeners as well, thanks for listening. Oh, you're so welcome. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.